The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM, featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Hey, Sam's not with us tonight, but we got Coach. Hey, Coach, what's going on in this NFL? Come on, man. Ray Rice can knock his wife out, put, drag her out of an elevator, and only get a two-game suspension? Man, guy smoker joining the league, and he gets suspended for four, five, or six games? What's going on? Coach, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, I know that for one thing, supposedly his wife, who was his fiance when it happened, uh, went to Odell and, and begged him not to be real rough on him. But it, it sends a real bad message, I think, Daryl, that uh, the NFL doesn't need. The NFL doesn't need that kind of, you know, here's a guy that's been in the league six years, 27 years old. So he's not a real young guy. You know, he should know better. And the leading rusher uh, for the Ravens. Some people say that he was the main reason offensively uh, that they won the Super Bowl two years ago, three years ago now, I guess. But uh, it's really sad to see that uh, this has happened uh, and that this kind of effect it's going to have further down the road. Yeah, it it is really sad, Coach. And, um, And when we look at Ray Rice's numbers, you know, Ray Rice's numbers last year were the worst he's had and since he's been in the NFL. And now we know why, that maybe he was having some um, some personal problems. And I guess my biggest problem now is this girl actually married him after he knocked her out? Hey, Coach, I hope she got a real nice ring. A ring? Come on. Oh, she got some some good health insurance. Yeah, well, I guess she got to have some good health insurance. Maybe that's why she married him, for the good health insurance he gets from the NFL. Because, man, I can't see loving somebody that, that knocks you out before you marry him. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, someone should have told her it doesn't get better with marriage. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, and, and the thing about it is, Daryl, we'll never know the behind-the-scenes stuff, and so... I'm going to leave it alone, but it is, it, if you're a young guy, okay, and you want to be in the NFL and you see something like this, you're thinking, hey, you know, I can do whatever I want to do and there's not going to be great consequences. I mean, they're more concerned with if I use drugs than if I use domestic violence. And so I think that's 
something that I was I really was kind of surprised the uh, commissioner uh, kind of did a light what I could take as a light uh, sentence for uh, Ray Rice, but we'll we'll see further down the road. Maybe he'll learn his lesson from this. Well, you know, um, this is a commissioner that a lot of people has had complaints about because he is he is the uh, the juror and the executioner. You know, I mean, he, he does it all, man. I mean, he's like the one stop shopping. You know, um, and, and 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 when you look at it, I don't know if he should be the person that's dishing out all the punishment. I think this punishment should be going to going before a board of maybe um, some former NFL execs, and they make this decision, not just one man. And this Ray Rice coach in 2008, he ran for. Um, uh, 454 yards. Every season since then, 2009, 10, 11, and 12, he ran for over 1,200 yards. Last year, he ran for 660 yards. I mean, this is a this is a big drop off for a guy that's that's never been below four four yards a carry, and he was down to 3.1 last year. I think this is saying a lot that uh, there were some personal issues going on with him, man. And uh, and if I would have to, if I would have to be betting on his marriage working or not working, I don't see it working. And he, he might have four years, man. I don't, I, I don't give him four years. Well, coach, you know uh, the thirty-year mark uh, for running backs is pretty substantial, and he's twenty-seven. I hope for the guy. I hope for her sake that uh, it works out, you know, that it's that it's one of those blips in their their relationship that can be uh, swung around. And, you know, I, I really don't want to cause any extra pressure. I hope no extra pressure is put on them because that will be the stuff that will cause more irritation to their relationship. But, Coach, I tell you what, there's some – talk about some relationships. I think there's some NFL coaches that are on on the hot seat. You believe it? Oh, coach, without a doubt, there are a lot of NFL coaches on the hot seat. And, um, you know, when we, when we look at it, um, this guy, I, the first one that comes to mind is, is Garrett with the, um, with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. And, Coach, you know, I think the reason Jerry Jones has been so uh, easy on the guys because he kind of handpicked him to begin with. You know, he brought him in as the offensive coordinator. Uh, and then after he brought him in uh, and he let uh, uh, Phillips go, he then turned around and made him the head coach. And since he's been the head coach, they haven't done much. I mean, uh, it's it just like the marriage from them and uh, Romo has been suspect, I think, from the beginning. It, it's almost like they felt like, well, you know, we've got this guy and we want we want to make him successful. Regardless, and uh, well, Garrett, you know, you know Garrett think, and him um, kind of threw Rob Ryan under the bus, and Rob Ryan leaves there and goes to New Orleans and takes him from worst to fourth in the NFL. So it must not have been Rob Ryan. No, well, Rob Ryan told him when they got rid of him, he'll have a he'll have a job in the next four hours, and he wasn't lying, and uh, and he's done and he's done an outstanding job at New Orleans. You know, but when we think about Jason Garrett, if his if his job is depending on Tony Romo, 
Man, that's almost like throwing a piece of thread at you when you're drowning in a river, Coach. That's not a whole lot to be putting the faith in. Well, I, I, I was so shocked during the draft because uh, Jerry Jones had said repeatedly that he really liked Menzel. And then they had a shot at him and they didn't take him. And then uh, now all he's talked about since the draft is how they almost took Menzel. You know, they don't realize how close he wasn't at Cleveland. And, you know, if you're happy with Romo, then go with him and don't talk about what could have been or should have been or whatever. Uh, and I think, you know, I really think if Jason Garrett and them don't get to the playoffs this year, that uh, Jerry Jones will finally let his ego slide and go with a different direction with a different coach. But, Coach, I there's some other guys out there. That, I think there's a bunch of guys. Out, I think Rex Ryan. I think if Rex Ryan doesn't, doesn't get to the playoffs this year with the, you know, I think the, he's got a, a heck of a, a problem with this Geno Smith. I don't think Geno Smith's ready yet, and I don't, I'm not sure if uh, – Mike Vick wants the job. I think Mike Vick wants the check. I want. I think he wants that check every week. I'm not sure he wants the job because he came out the other day and said that he he loved the prospect of being a mentor. Well, if you want to be a you know if you want to be the starting quarterback in the NFL and you're talking saying stuff like I want to be the mentor, I don't get it. I don't get it either, Coach. And uh. I'll never forget when um, Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Green Bay Packers and, um, and, and, and their quarterback, who's infamous for retiring and, and not retiring, Brett Favre came out and said, I'm not going to be anybody's mentor. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about it is, Daryl, you want to be a team player. I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that's played the game the right way that doesn't want the team to win. But you want to win while you're on the field. You want to be one of the cogs in that team that wins. And the only way that can happen is if you're on the field. And so, yeah, I can give a guy tips on technique. I can give a guy tips on training. I can give a guy tips on someone we're playing against. But, hey, at the bottom line, I want to be on the field. I want to be the starter. And if I think you don't have that onset, that you're not going to be a very good, especially in the NFL, a quarterback is such an important position. Uh, if if you don't want to be the guy, you know, I really thought that they were really bringing Vic in to sit Geno Smith back down because they got Chris Johnson, and I thought between Chris Johnson and uh, uh, Michael Vick that they could have a pretty stable offense, but I don't think it's going to happen with Geno, and it's if it doesn't happen with Geno, I think Rex Ryan's days are numbered. Well, you know, I, I think Michael Vick can do what he does. He'll come in and possibly win some games for you, but his durability is always going to be an issue because he's not a very big man, and he, he has a tendency to run the ball. And, he, and, and Michael Vick is like a wide receiver that's lost a step or a step and a half. They're just not that same athlete. And when he lost a step, that was like him losing two steps at, at, at his position because he re, he he um, he was so focused and needed his speed as a part of his game 
that uh, that that's that's a big loss for him to lose um, a step and a half in his game, Coach. Well, Coach, I'm gonna tell you something. His old boss is in trouble. I think uh, Mike Smith at Atlanta is in trouble. I think Mike Smith. Uh, they need to have a real good bounce back here because if they don't, I think uh, people in Atlanta are, you know, kind of giving him a kind of a, you know, he doesn't have a real bad record, but he has, uh, uh, last year they just fell off the map. I mean, they looked terrible at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, they did. And um, and their quarterback has never taken them to a playoff victory. And I think, you know, people are still waiting to see and what are they going to do this year without Tony Gonzalez? You know, come on, man. This is the one of the most productive tight ends to ever play in the NFL, and he's no longer he's no longer with that team. You know, and when you look at Mike Smith, coach, he's probably the lowest paid coach in the NFL at two point two million dollars a season. Well, coach, you know the thing about that too is, you know, a lot of the Atlanta Falcon fans are always telling me, oh, well, you know. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not his fault. They had a lot of injuries. Coach, every year, I, I'm amazed at the number of injuries uh, Belichick and New England have, and they still produce every year. You know, if they don't win the Super Bowl, they're in the hunt. And so I think as an NFL coach, you've got to be able to kind of, you know, coach up the ones you got, and uh, hopefully Rex, I mean, uh, Mike Smith will get Ryan over the hump as his quarterback, and they can get in the playoffs. But, you know, I'm a Saints fan, so I don't want them to do too well. <laughs> hey, you know, the Carolina Panthers, man, you know, they, they have the Superman at quarterback. But Ron Rivera, you know, he's had some struggles. And uh, Cam Newton has, been, has not been in the playoffs. Was, I'm not sure. They were in the playoffs last year, but they weren't very long. And uh, I think people have been waiting for the Carolina Panthers and Ron Rivera to, to make a break, to win a couple of games in the playoffs. And it just hasn't happened. And I'm, I'm not so sure that the Panthers are going to be, much, gonna be uh, much more patient with Rivera. Well, Coach, I think what he has to worry about is uh, Cam Newton can only take that kind of pressure and heat for so long. And their best receiver was long in the tooth, but now he's done. And so with Steve Smith gone, uh, I don't see a lot of contributing factors that are going to help them real big uh, or are going to help Cam Newton like Steve. You know, Steve Smith was kind of his his comfort zone. Whenever thing else failed, he knew that he was going to be able to go to Steve and, and, and complete a, you know, first down pass or a touchdown pass. I don't know if that's going to happen now. And like you say, Ron Rivera may be in trouble if they don't if they don't win this year. Yeah, and coach, you know, um, every year it seems as though Marvin Lewis and the Cincinnati Bengals are, are on. The, Marvin Lewis is on the hot seat in Cincinnati every year, and um, right. I, I just don't really understand it. He goes to the playoffs, seems like he gets the maximum out of his teams every year. They're in the in the playoffs when they probably shouldn't be in the playoffs. Uh, they're winning games they probably shouldn't win. But every year, Marvin Lewis appears to be on the hot seat. Don't understand. Coach, I know we don't have a lot, you know, before our break. We've got about three minutes before our break. But, 
you know, Marvin Lewis is kind of, to me, a Bill Belichick kind of a guy. He's one with not always the best athletes or the best quarterbacks. Uh, this Andy Dalton is a pretty good kid, and I think uh, Green is a great receiver, but he's never had that, I don't think, that breakout back that they need uh, to be competitive. I, you know, I think that if he uh, gets them in the playoffs this year and they can go past that first round, he should still keep his job. Now, I don't know that he shouldn't. I, I would agree with you, Coach. And, um, and actually, you know, when you think about the history of the Cincinnati Bengals, just making it to the playoffs is, is a big deal. And I know people may be getting tired of him just making it to the playoffs, but think about so many other teams that never make the playoffs and still not making the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I thought that uh, down in Miami, I was a Dolphin fan for years because – uh, I love Shula so much and his packages that he put together. And I thought Joe Philbin was going to get it done, but I'm not sure he will, Coach. I think he thinks this Miller kid uh, at running back is going to kind of be a staple for him, but I'm not sure that uh, Tannehill's going to be the quarterback to carry him uh, past New England and past the people they got to to compete against. Uh, they got to beat the Jets. They got to beat the Bills. And, uh, I think all of them are, are scrambling uh, with, of course, uh, the Patriots being the, the team to beat in that, that, that section. But I don't know that Phil will get another chance if he doesn't do a good job this year. And I'm not so sure if Tannehill is the answer. Uh, he's had, had some decent seasons, and I'm really not sure about Lamar Miller. You know, and I watched him play at the University of Miami – and when you look at Lamar Miller, Coach, this is a young man that only played college football for two years. And um, his first year, he didn't really play a lot. Uh, his second year was a breakout year, but he has not had a lot of real tough competition. And maybe this will be a breakout year for him, or maybe this will be a, a show-and-tell year for him, because if he don't show anything, I think they may be telling him to hit the door after this year, too. Well, I think there was a question mark in a lot of minds that uh, this year, uh, with the offensive line being so unsettled, maybe that was one of the reasons uh, the kid uh, got as many uh, starts as he got. But I'm going to tell you the truth, Coach. Uh, Phil uh, Philbin has a chance to right the ship this year, hopefully. If he does, he'll keep his job. If he doesn't, I don't know if he will or not. Coach, we got about a minute before break, but I'm going to tell you one of the ones that uh, I would think, you know, Jim Hallbar, I don't think he's in question that he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, but uh, he's not happy at San Francisco. He's made it plain that they're not giving him enough control for him to do the next step. And, you know, Coach, he's been to the playoffs the last three years at the top level. Uh, one year actually going to the Super Bowl. And so I'm not sure that uh, he wouldn't be one of those ones last year on his contract this year uh, that he would be willing to make a change. You know, it wouldn't surprise me either, Coach, to see Harbaugh leave um, San Francisco. You know, it, it, it comes to mind to think about what um, what Bill Parcell said. He said, there's no need for me to cook the food if I can't go to the grocery store and do the shopping. 
That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, and I, I think Harbaugh looks at it like he wants to have more control in the draft. He wants to have more control with personnel. And uh, and I think it's only fair that a head coach has have something to do with the personnel decisions. Maybe not all of it, but he should be he should have a big hand in the decision of who comes and plays for his team, who comes and coaches for his team. Hey guys, you listen to Sports Info, you I'm on the Voice America Radio. We'll be right back after these lessons. flagship station for sports voice america sports sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events tune in to all around sports with john inglesby fridays at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m pacific on the voice america sports channel it's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to sports info um with daryl and sam call us today at 888-346-9144 that's 888-346-9144 or send us an email at sports info um 3793 at gmail.com now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info. You, um, hey, Coach, you know, um, Tom Coughlin, he's another one of those guys that appear to be on the hot seat every year. And, you know, he's won two Super Bowls since he's been at the New York Giants. He's, he's been, a, a, I'd, I'd say, a, a fabulous coach since he's been in New York. And he just doesn't seem to get the credit that he deserves. People are always hounding him. And, and, and he does coach in the most popular city in the world? Well, Coach, the thing about it, for Tom, the bad thing is that he gets more heat than I think he deserves. It's like the quarterback, the coach and the quarterback sometimes get too much credit for the win and they get way too much, uh, you know, heat for the losses. But you know how Tom's worked since he's been there. 
is this probably means since he's going to uh, win another Super Bowl, I'd see it again. And, that's and what that's he's done. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's, it's been working lately. And, yeah, but I'll tell you what, if, he if they don't have that good year, I'm not sure that he and Eli might be singing their swan song this year. <laughs> and you know, and I, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that Tom Coffer would retire and walk out, but that's just not who he is. He, he, no, he'll no, be coaching I, the Dallas Cowboys if he's not coaching the New York Giants. Or he'll be coaching the, the Philadelphia Eagles, or he may even come back to Jacksonville and coach, coach football coach. That's just, that's just his personality. You just can't imagine him walking away from the game as much as I'd love to see him just walk away. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, and I'm, I'm afraid you're all absolutely correct, Daryl, because he's one of those kind of guys that, you know, some people live to work and other people work to live. And he definitely lives to work, and I think that's what motivates him to get up every morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, this guy, Mike Tomlin, you know, he has three years, two years left on his contract. He makes $5.5 million a season. But I just don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are overwhelmed with joy over this guy, Coach. He just doesn't, you know, he has that stare and he has that Pittsburgh hard hat mentality. But he just hasn't done a lot for this program uh, since taking him to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in the first first year of his job. First year he had uh, a job there. And I'm going to tell you, Coach, what a lot of people are saying, I think, fan base-wise, is that he inherited that that uh, that base from uh, Bill Cowan, and then he didn't really do anything but that first year. And since then, they've... They've seemed to just gotten older. That's all they seem to be able to do. And and Ben, Big Ben, to me, has been a, a very adequate quarterback, but he's never been the quarterback that I thought that some people thought he was going to be. And I don't think that uh, he's at the beginning or the, the stellar point of his career. I think he's in trouble. And if he's in trouble this year, I think uh, uh, that Thomason will be in trouble. And, and I would agree with you. And, um, and, and Big Ben has, has had to deal with some injuries the last couple of years. And he's getting what we call a little long in the tooth. He's been around for quite a while. And you just don't see him having the same weapons that he's had in the last, in years past either. So, um, I, I can see Pittsburgh, uh, having some struggles this year. And I can hear, um, probably some whispers of Tomlin's job. Even though the Pittsburgh Steelers have never fired a head coach, he could be the first. Well, I don't know if they would fire him, Coach, but I think they would put so much pressure on him to win that he might walk away for his own sake. But, Coach, I'm going to tell you, uh, he's he's one of those kind of figures that you kind of pull for because he's had such a great work ethic. But I'm not sure that, you know, the defense, the defense coordinator is like, you know, uh, very old. I, I think he's like 74, uh, and he's been there yeah. forever. And uh, their defense has gotten very old. And so I think even though uh, they made a couple of runs a few years back 
and actually won the Super Bowl. I don't know that their time hasn't passed them. And I think one of the big clues for a franchise is to be like Belichick, Pete Carroll, whatever, always bringing in that new blood uh, that would infuse enough energy in the team to be able the NFL is a horse race. And if you fall apart in that last portion of the straightaway, then you're going to come in way before first. You're right, Coach. And and one of the things that's hurt Pittsburgh is the lack of um, depth on their defense and the lack of youth on their defense. And we look at Troy Palomalu, who's probably um, one of the oldest safeties in the league. He's still a big part of what Pittsburgh does on defense. And if you're counting on somebody like that, it's, it's, you're going to have struggles. The last two years, Coach, he's been on the sidelines as much as he's been on the field. He's been hurt a bunch. But he's 33, I think, or 34 maybe. And that's real yeah. hard on safety that plays like he does. He plays. Exactly, because he. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he plays, plays close to the line of scrimmage like a linebacker just as much as he plays 15 yards from the line of scrimmage like a safety. Right. And in the last 10 years, Coach, each year his interception ratio has gone down because of that. Uh, he's had to creep up more and more to be a run stopper. And in doing so, uh, people have gotten some shots over the top uh, that you never saw happen to the Steelers. I think the management has let the head coach at the Steelers have a lot of say in who, I mean, this blunt kid they brought in, I think that was a good move. He's a hard runner uh, like they've had in the past. And I think that's one of their issues. If they have somebody like Blunt, uh, I think they can pound the ball at you when they want to, especially down the end. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'd love to see all these guys uh, not lose their job, but you and I both know that when it starts on that that Black Monday after that last Sunday, there'll be some job openings. Oh, that that's without a doubt. And, you know, Coach, um, Jeff Fisher, you know, he, he, he's only been with our St. Louis Flash. It was his first year there. And a lot of people were waiting for him to come back to the league. You know, and, and I wish him well. And I think Coach Fisher is a good coach. I think he got a raw deal at Tennessee. But I really am – I'm not so sure about their quarterback. Um, you know, he's, he's had some injury issues since he's been in the league. A lot of people say he's fragile. He's not a very big guy in statue. And um, I'm talking about Stratford. He, he's, he's really struggled throughout his career in the NFL with St. Louis. Well, you know, the thing about Bradford, Coach, Sam, Sam came in to St. Louis, and he was going to be the, the star that was going to replace uh, uh, the, bomb, the bomb threat. And uh, they never gave him, I think, uh, any run support, and then the last couple of years, their offensive line, and one of the reasons Fisher got the job, I think, was their lines kind of fell apart, and they uh, let the kid get smacked around a bunch. I'm not sure his heart is in it like it should be, and I might be wrong, but Jeff Fisher has been so successful, both uh, uh, you know, at Houston and then at Tennessee, when nobody gave him a chance, 
And so maybe he'll turn it for the Rams. I, I hope so. I hope for Fisher's sake that he can have a run uh, with this kid, uh, Bradford, because if he could keep him healthy for a season, I could think it could be all right. Yeah, I think he could be all right if he could stay healthy for 16 games. But if I was betting, I wouldn't bet on him being healthy for 16 games. You know, Coach, um, Lovey Smith is in Tampa. Um I, I welcome Lovey Smith to Tampa, but I just don't think the cupboard has enough tools in it for him to be successful this year in Tampa. You know, the young man, Morris, who's a good running back, but he's, he's not very big, has suffered some head injuries in the last couple of years. One of them was a neck, one was a couple of concussions. I just, I'm not so sure if he's going to be the durable back that they need and can count on in Tampa. Well, Coach, I, what I'm worried about the Tampa thing is is that Lovey was kind of a defense-first kind of guy. And I think their defensive stock has dropped. You know, they had that that quarterback issue before uh, Lovey got there. And so I'm, I'm wondering if they've got the guy to make it happen. And, you know, regardless of how good a coach you are, you know, how good would Belichick been if he didn't have Brady? You know what I mean? Uh how good would Fox be if he didn't have Manning now? If you don't have that top-quality quarterback nowadays, I don't think you can be a viable option in the NFL, and I know that Tampa doesn't have that kind of a quarterback right now. Well, I know Tampa doesn't have that kind of quarterback right now, but one of the teams that does have one of those kind of quarterbacks is the Washington Redskins. This is Jake Rudens. Um, first year coaching in the NFL as a head coach. Um, he's been an assistant. He played in the in the uh, indoor football league, arena football. He was a coach and won championships as a player and a coach in the arena football. Uh, he's been in the NFL, coached with his brother, uh, and he's coached with uh, Marvin Lewis in the Cincinnati Bengals as an offense coordinator for a while. He comes with a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, but does he have the mentality it's going to take to deal with a prima donna quarterback like Robert Griffin III, who I like to just call Robert? He's not Griffin III anymore. He's just playing old Robert now because he ain't showed us all of that other things behind his name lately. Coach, you're, you're brutal, man. You're brutal. Hey. hey, you know, hey the, the thing about it is, is these kids come out of college, Daryl, and we know both as old guys, that you come out of college – with great expectations that you're going to just come into the league and do a lot of things. And, and bless his heart, he had a great rookie year until he got hurt. And I think it sent a message to him that's back there in the back of his mind. And last year, uh, it cost uh, Shanahan his job uh, because supposedly he wasn't taking care of the kid the way he should have. Uh, now, what does that mean for Gruden? Does that mean that Gruden's got to walk softly as the new head coach uh, around Griffin? Is is he going to be one of those factors that uh, you're afraid that if you don't do certain things the right way, that the quarterback's going to outlast you as the head coach? Coach, you know, in those last few minutes before we go on break again, uh, we've got about three and a half minutes before we're on break again, and I wonder if the owners, you know, I, I've always thought this, Daryl, 
the owners don't take as much responsibility for the ability for a coach in the NFL to win. And uh, the general managers can do so much, and the head coaches can do so much, but the owners should take responsibility. I think the guy that's been the owner at uh, for the Redskins has definitely been kind of a wild card kind of a guy, and I'm not sure that that hasn't caused some of the problems. And he's a real big Robert Griffin III, as they, we used to know him before we knew him just as Robert. Uh, he's he's definitely a, a big fan of that kid, and, and I hope the kid can come back. I don't think the kid can run the way they were running uh, that first rookie year. I think his injury was something that was going to happen eventually, and surely it did. Yeah, and and – Daniel Snyder, you know, he, he has a tendency to kind of be buddies with his with his players where he probably should kind of stay out of it a little bit. But, you know, there's been situations in the past where Robert Griffin has gone and talked to Snyder instead of talking talking to his head coach about a situation. And uh and that's the kind of stuff I think uh Gruden has to prepare himself for. Those those are the kind of um I, I guess you could say Barry's mind that he got to walk softly across, you know. And I don't think a head coach should have to go through that. I think a head coach should be an in-between between the owner and his team. A player should not have a relationship with an owner where he can go in his office, sit down, and just chit-chat with him. I don't think that's cool. I don't think Belichick, I don't think Belichick is, that, that's not going to be allowed on his team. And I, and I know good and well that Bill Parcell would have never allowed something like that to happen one of his players. No, Coach, that guy, that guy would be packing up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it'd be it, fine it in the top. Coach, you know, we got about two minutes before break. And, you know, I hope we get a chance to talk a little bit more uh, about uh, a couple of these guys. I think that uh, uh, the Stafford kid uh, at Detroit, you know, he had a great number year. Uh, they got a new coach in there. Uh, Jim Carwell's had some success at, at Indianapolis, but he's kind of said that he thought that the kid needed to kind of pick it up on learning his offense. And I hope that Stafford doesn't believe that he's at that stage in his career that he can do whatever and not pay a consequences. I think Jim Carwell is going to go in that first year and it's going to be his way or the highway. And uh, Matt would find himself on the block, I'm afraid. I, I would agree with you, Coach. Uh, you know, Carwell, this is his first year with that team. He, he signed a four-year contract with them. Um, but – Maybe this is just a way for them to um, to motivate uh, Stafford. You know, maybe try and get more out of him than he thinks he has in in himself. And uh, I hope that I hope that the motivation turns into um, um, something that's that's useful for him. And I hope he uses it for to, to his advantage and not not take this and start pouting about it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, I agree with you, Daryl. I think that what's happened in the past is a lot of these guys do become prima donnas, and they think that they're the reason the team exists, and they're not. The NFL's been around for a long time. If you don't believe me, go to Canton. I did this year. Uh, there's a lot of great stories there. 
but those people, you last a certain length of time, but the league has lasted since the 40s. And so it's going to be around regardless of what Robert thinks or not. Coach, we're about out of yeah. time for the segment. Uh, well, hey, I hope- Coach, um, you know, like I said, I really wish Robert well this year, but I hope Gruden is preparing himself for this. And I hope he, you know, it's an old story when you start teaching. It says, hey, be as hard as you can from the beginning because you can always lighten up. But you can't get hard in the middle. And I hope Gruden is hard from the jump on Robert because if he lightens, if he lightens up on him early in the game, he won't be able to get tough on him around week six or seven. Hey, guys, you listen to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you a real sports fan get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame lassiter formerly with the arizona cardinals san diego chargers and st louis rams Kwame's got the experience so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, Coach, you were talking about the, uh, about the uh, Northwestern situation, and I know you've been following that. Um, what's happening with that situation out there in Northwestern well, University? Well, the coach is trying to make you know, a little of, you know, he says that they're still together as a school, that they're still together as a team, but the uh, National Board of Labor has still not released the votes that the players, you know, voted to say whether they wanted to form a union or not, and that still hasn't been released, and he's trying to kind of salve some wounds in the community, but I think that there's still an issue there, and of course, Coach, we've talked about it, it's like the Johnny Menzel thing where we've talked about, uh, do these kids deserve some money? Well, the auction house uh, 
just purchased from Texas A&M the six jerseys that uh, Johnny Moselle wore during their home games this year. And those six they paid $10,000 each for. And this auctioneer and this auctioneer house believes that their jersey will sell for around $100,000 each. So here's a player that plays at the college level and can't get any money, and yet the college is making $60,000 off of six jerseys, and then the people that have bought it from the, the uh, college is going to make 100000 off of each one, and the player's not going to get anything. I just, I still see that as wrong. And you were talking about the salaries in the NFL, Coach. Uh, I was watching the media days for a lot of the conferences. A lot of those guys make a lot of money. Urban Myers makes as much off, you know, off the record, or off the record, but as an endorsement package at Ohio, as he makes as a salary. And I don't think you see that as much in the NFL as you do in the NCAA. I, I would agree with you, Coach. You know, yeah, the, I, I, I the would problem, agree with you totally. The problem, Daryl, is that even a team, they came out with the worst big football programs uh, in the NCAA, and, the very, and you were saying the other day that some of those teams make more than the NFL. Well, Indiana Hoosiers is known as a basketball school, but their football program generated $27 million off of uh, game receipts and uh, concessions. And to me, that's an amazing amount of money uh, when you think about how much a kid gets uh, for a scholarship. Say that each kid got a $100,000 scholarship uh, to get him through school. That's still, you know, with uh, the number of players you can carry, that's still only $600,000 a year out of $27 million. Well, how much did FSU make? Or how much did uh, any of the big programs, Ohio State, uh, any of those big programs uh, are making a ton of money, and it's at the expense of these kids? Yeah, and, Coach, when, even when we look at salaries in the NFL, when we look at uh, when we look at uh, coaches uh, like like Jason Garrett, I think he makes like three million dollars, and and here it is, uh, um, Matt Brown last year made five point three million dollars. You know, he, here it is, the college coaches making more than an NFL coach, and and who ever heard of Bush Jones, the head coach at University of Tennessee? This guy made four point eight million dollars, coach, last year. I mean, come come on, you know it, this is this is a lot of money. Urban Meyer, four point six million dollars, and we have NFL coaches that are not making nearly that amount of money. And we start talking about jersey sales. It's unbelievable to, to thought that someone is going to make possibly six hundred thousand dollars off of Johnny Manziel jerseys, and here he almost he got suspended last year for signing a photograph picture of itself and selling it on the Internet. Something's not right about that. It's definitely not right, Daryl. And the, the thing that bothers me even more so is on the media day, uh, the Southeastern Conference media day, they asked uh, Les Miles, who's the LSU coach, 
did he feel guilty at times that some of his players' parents couldn't go to games because they didn't have the financial wherewithal to be able to do it. And he admitted, and Mark Ritz commented, even uh, Nick Saban commented, that it did bother them that they make as much money as they make, uh, and yet the players' families can't enjoy their kids' uh, ability to play the sport. This is it, it, these are the things that, that we talk about, you know, and we we, we make we make jokes about um, about the kid from Florida State, Jameis Winston, stealing crabs out of a grocery store. But he stole those crabs, coach, because he didn't have any money in his pocket. Because I'm sure if he had three or four hundred dollars, he'd have easily paid nineteen dollars or twelve dollars for those crabs and, and walked out of there. But the kid didn't have money and. These coaches are, are just really, really getting rich on the backs of these kids. And the kids are, they're leaving school. Some of them have a degree. Some of them don't have a degree. And, and something needs to be done. Something ought to be said about this. And it really gives me, <clears throat> it gives me well, a good feeling to know that this Northwestern thing has, has legs. And it may even crawl someday. And these kids may get paid um, something comparable to... Uh, a, a person working on a regular job because they're making millions and millions and millions of dollars for these programs. You know, Alabama is not paying saving $5.3 million a season if they're not making $90 million or more per season on their football program, Coach. Oh, Coach, uh, without question. And, and the problem is, is that uh, we talk about it all the time but I don't see it changing. You know, you've mentioned in a couple of years back when I was a young coach, I went to a clinic and the NCA made the mistake of coming there and speaking. And us high school coaches stood up and slammed the guy over and over about putting so much compliant pressure on us at the high school level. And then on the kids uh, that were trying to get into schools and get this education and then they were telling them that they couldn't work, that they couldn't receive any money. And I know what the whole deal is. I mean, the commissioner from the Big 12 said it. There's cheating going on. Get the cheaters. Don't don't penalize the kids because all the cheating that's going on, because it hasn't stopped and it's not going to stop. It's been going on for the last 50, maybe 100 years. And it has been going on for a hundred years, Coach. And you know, um, <laughs> you know, when you look at when you look at some of these salaries for, for some of these college coaches, it, 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 it's, it's, it's unbelievable that that Saban makes five hundred, you know, five million dollars, and he has a seven hundred thousand dollar bonus that he can make, Coach, in that season. Come on, it, 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 it you know. Butch Jones, hey, the Tennessee coach, he has a one million dollar bonus that he could possibly make in this in one season, coach. Well, coach, the problem is is that uh, it's it's improportional to the amount of money being made, and you know if they could give the kids five grand a year or six grand a year, so that you know sprinkled out over the course of the year, so that the kid got five six hundred dollars a month for whatever, for eating off campus, going out on a date, buying gas, whatever. But what 
has happened is that disproportionately the haves and the have-nots are not equal. They're not, Coach. And, and, you know, when you look at coaches like Steve Spurrier, he has a $3.3 million salary. However, he has a max bonus of $1.55 million. Come on. I mean, you, you're almost sneaking it in the back door on us, on us on Steve. If you win how many games? Six or five? If you make a bowl game, you get a $1.5 million bonus. It's it a lot that. of money for those, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, yeah, those hats that he wears, those little... Uh, yeah, those visors. Yeah, those visors cost a lot of money, Coach. I, 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 I hear you, Coach. I, I really do. And, you know, uh, I was... Uh, Mark Rick, he, he's another guy. He makes $3.2 million, but he has a $1 million bonus, max bonus. And, and what is a max? If you make uh, if you make the play, if you make a bowl game... And you win your bowl game, you get all of it. If you make if you make it to a bowl game, you get five hundred thousand. If you win your bowl game, you get a million dollar bonus. Uh, it, it, it's, it's something wrong with this, and I'm not so sure if this is going to happen tomorrow or this year. But I can almost feel this thing happening before um, 2020 that we see these college players getting a little bit of this revenue because these numbers look simple on paper. But these coaches are living a real high-life coach off the backs of these players. These universities and these university presidents and these NCAA affiliates, they're making, they're living high on the hog off the backs of these young players and literally paying them pennies with scholarship funds. And, and Coach, you know, it's just like we talked about earlier. You know, the coaches are in the driver's seat, you know, if, you know, Steve Spurrier is a great, uh, you know, to me, a great example. You know, if you don't, you know, he has devastated some quarterback's career over the years because they didn't play exactly like he wanted them to play. And I'm not talking about just on the field. And so I think a coach should have some responsibility of making the kids do the right thing. But at the same time, that pressure that they can place on that kid who's not getting any compensation is not right. It's, uh, you know, regardless, and I'm not picking on Steve Spurrier. Uh, he's not one of my favorite coaches, but I think coaches in general at that level have more control than they probably should have. Coach, we only got a couple uh, of minutes, but I tell you. I would agree uh, with you, Coach. You know, um, I, I a friend of mine told me a story once that um, – his position coach used to every once in a while throw these little jokes at him, and he didn't find it very funny. He said, hey, we need to send you back to that orange grove in a popcorn. You know, and, and it, he, he never thought that that was funny. And it was almost like that was something they were holding over his head. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we could take this scholarship and send you behind up the road. You know, it was an old story. Um, um, uh, we're going to put you on a bus with a you and a snicker bar. You know, that was actually a threat to the player, to the athlete, Coach, because it was fearful that you could lose your scholarship if you got caught doing something wrong or you just didn't measure up to the athlete they thought you were going to be. So, you know, coaches may say these little things jokingly, but the athlete takes it to heart, and, uh, and it means something to us. Yeah, and Coach, I'll tell you, uh, an old, you know, and back in the old days when you're as old as me, when they had, like, just – 
you know, we had 54 signees my uh, freshman year at LSU <laughs> and coach. So there was like 138 guys on scholarship. So only 22 are going to play, right? Yeah. You, know, you might have some special teams. So you knew when a coach said something like that, even though it was off the, off the cuff kind of sounding, you know, you want to go back to the all fields in Texas, son, or you want to make this LSU team? You know, that, that, that wasn't – we never thought that as a joke, and it wasn't. It wasn't a joke. No, it wasn't a joke. No, and, 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 you know, and the people that it was directed to, they realized quickly it was, it was not a joke. And uh, it, was some, it was some realism to it because we saw guys not come back that second year or the third year or, or your last year. You know, you saw guys that you thought were coming back, and they didn't come back, whether it was um, grades or they just didn't think that they could be um, beneficial to the program. Well, Coach, I want to give a shout-out to everybody. Uh, football's about to crank up, and I'm excited about it. You got anything? Hey, well, I went to my local high school today, Coach, to see them do some um, some drills and practice, and um, I'm joking for football so bad I had to go check out a local high school, just do some drills. <laughs> hey, well, guys, it's always fun, and we'll be back next week with more Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. Thanks a lot. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.